Tape J. Just down the street from the house again. Um, I'm just going to ring the buzzer and see what happens. Um, like I said, I, I, I want to, I wanted to record this just to make sure that, you know, I was hearing what I thought I heard. Um, so, uh, here we go. Hey, Blue. How? I don't know. I know that this town brought me here, but uh, I have the foggiest idea as to how. Why are you here? Well, this town really, really wants me to hurt you. But I think it underestimated me. I think it underestimated my strength because I'm fighting. I'm fighting really hard not to. Because you're, you're my baby brother, and I couldn't imagine ever hurting you. Yeah, well, you did hurt me. All of those people that you killed, that hurt me, too. I can't argue that. Then why did you do it? I don't understand. I don't, I, I've, I've never understood. Why did you do it? I wanted to. I felt good doing it. But that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't add up because you took care of me. You were a good person our whole life. You 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 guided me through life. You taught me valuable lessons. You taught me more than our parents ever did. How can that be the same guy who killed all of those people? That doesn't make sense. It does. And that's something you're just going to have to get over. A person's bad deeds don't wash away their good. Just like their good deeds don't wash away their bad. No, but this is this is different. This isn't this, it's too big. The, the gaps are too big. There was something sick inside of me, this voice. And it would just say these awful things in my ear all the time. And the only thing that would make it shut up was killing people. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. What? What are you saying? Come on, baby brother, you know what I'm talking about. No, I, I don't. Part of me may have loved killing those people, but another part of me wore the weight of their deaths. And 18 souls is a lot of weight. It was too much for me to take. Especially when I'm carrying an extra one around. What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Sam... Sullivan. He he was different. He wasn't like the rest of them. You didn't you didn't kill him on purpose. He was an accident. You're right. He was an accident. But I didn't kill him at all. What? What? God damn it, Adam! You're gonna make me say it. I've been carrying it around for my whole life, and you're gonna make me say it now too. You can't even give me that much. You can't even fess up to it. But it's just you and me here. You. Killed Sam. But you, I remember that day. You did. I didn't do it. I remember. I remember going and talking to his parents. Yeah. Yeah, we talked to his parents. 
We talked to his parents, and before we had a chance to tell him the truth, I stepped up and I said that I did it. I said that I was the one who connected the bat against his skull and bashed the brains out of his head and bashed the life out of his body. I said I did it. But I didn't do it. You did it. It was, it, was an, it, was an, it was an accident. It was an accident. I know it was an accident. But I, I didn't I didn't do it though. I, I didn't do it though. Yes, you did. And that's what this town wants from you. It wants you to face that. It wants you to feel that it's going to feed off of it. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Like you said, it was an accident. Not upset that I took the blame, I'd do it again. You had everything going for you. You were smart, you were a good person, you made good decisions. I knew I was a fuck up already. So I was happy to take that burden for you. But now you gotta come to grips with it. Or you're never getting out of here. No, no, but... but no, no, I'm not gonna believe some false narrative because some fucking ghost that's stealing my brother's voice is trying to make me believe it. No, fuck you! Fuck you! I'm not gonna believe it! That was not me! You're just a voice trapped in a box trying to make me think crazy things! You're the one who's trapped here! I'm not trapped here! Alright, alright. I am trapped here. And it sounds like I'm going to have some company. That's not true. That's not true. None of what you're saying is true. I can get out of this place. I can get out of here. I don't, I don't need to believe some fucking false narrative about my entire life. I don't need to think that I've been a terrible person, that I've been a murderer my entire life just to get out of this place. Fuck you. I'll find a way out. I'm not trapped. You're trapped. You're trapped in here. Tape A. So I decided I wanted to give this recording thing another shot. Um, I'm not going to rant like I did the last time because that's not going to help anything. But um, but I feel like I'm losing my fucking mind here, and I need someone to talk to. Even if that's just a small and, um, and, you know, there's a practical reason for doing this as well, in that I can't explain a lot of what I've seen these past couple days, a lot of what I've experienced. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going crazy or, or if this town is crazy or, or what, but, uh, you know, I figure if I, if I talk about what I've seen in these recordings, then at least I can go back and listen to them and know that that I'm not making it all up. You know, because I don't know how long it's going to be until someone can come and, and, and rescue me. I don't know how long it's going to be until I can get out of here. I don't know if. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably just end up pitching these down the well like I did the last one. But, um, you know, maybe it'll help. You know, I guess I'll start from the beginning.
only came to this town because I'm doing that thing for my brother. I, I guess one of the families is from here, so I, I got their address and I, and I drove all the way here. When I finally got off the freeway, I still had to drive down these back roads for, for a long time. And um, I eventually came to a gas station that was on the outskirts of town. And, um, you know, I go inside hoping that someone will be able to, to help me find this address. But uh, when, I, when I got in there, there was no one there. Um, you know, the, the doors were open, there was product on the shelves, the lights were on, but, but there was no one inside. So I waited around for a little bit. I thought maybe, you know, someone was on their break or going to the bathroom or something, but no one showed up. You know, so eventually I just grabbed a copy of, of the town map and I went out to the car to try and find the address on my home. I was able to find the street that it was on and I figured that would be a good enough start. So I go to start my car and uh, lo and behold, my car doesn't work. Now, I, I don't know a lot about cars, but this one's brand new and there's no reason it shouldn't have worked, but it didn't. So I got out and I started walking into town. You know, I um, I figured there had to be a mechanic in town somewhere, and I didn't know, frankly, what else to do. No, the town itself is kind of nestled down in these hills, and uh, you know, I, I I don't think I'm doing justice to just how eerie this all felt already. You know, as soon as I got off the freeway, I got this this overwhelming bad feeling, like this 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 don't go feeling. No, I'm not a superstitious person. Yeah, I figured, you know, I must have just been anxious about the task at hand. So I just pushed it out and I and I just went into town anyways. So it wasn't just that gas station that was abandoned. It was this whole town. The whole time I was walking down the road, there weren't any cars. I didn't see anybody else walking. There was nobody on a bicycle. I passed a handful of houses, but they all looked abandoned. There was no sign of life anywhere. There weren't any animals. Hell, there wasn't even any roadkill. This whole town was empty. It was... It was dead. But I didn't know what else to do. So, so I, I kept, kept walking. walking. Eventually I came up to this trail. That cut down the hill and through the woods. And it had a sign that said that it led towards downtown. So I pull out the map and, and best I could tell that this trail would, would save me a couple miles off the trip. It was getting pretty close to dark, and, and I didn't want to be out here at night. So, you know, I, I, I take the trail. I mean, how was I supposed to know? So I get maybe a half mile into the trail, and I hear this noise from behind me. So I turn around. So I keep walking back into town, maybe just a little bit faster now. I get a couple more steps, and, and, and I hear the noise again. So I spin around, and, and, and still nothing. And then I hear it again. And that's when I realized that the noise wasn't just coming from behind me. It was also coming from above me. You know, it was kind of this hazy forest, and, and it was getting pretty close to dark, so I didn't have a great view of it. But um, I could see this giant, vaguely humanoid silhouette hanging in a tree. And as, I swear, as soon as I looked at it, it started charging at me. So I turn around and I run. And this thing is chasing me. It's swinging through the trees. I can hear it grunting as it leaps from limb to limb. I can hear small branches explode as it plows right through them. And it's gaining on me. And I know that this thing wants to hurt me. I know that if I let this thing catch me, it's going to pummel me into the ground. It's going to pound me until I'm pulp. And I don't want that to happen, so I run. 
and eventually I see it. I see where this trail, this steep downhill woodland trail empties out on this flat paved road. And I feel like if I can just get to that road, maybe I have a chance. But this thing is getting closer and closer. And I get right up to the edge of the trail and I hear the thing drop down from the trees. I feel the ground shake as it lands right behind me. And I know I have to be within this thing's arm's reach. So I just leap forward and I hit the ground, but I don't stick the landing and I go tumbling forward. And I know that this thing isn't going to trip. So as soon as I stop rolling, I just curl into the fetal position. And I wait, but nothing happens. I've rolled a lot further than I realized. I'm at least a hundred feet from the edge of the woods, but I can see the thing standing there right at the edge of the shadow of the tree line, like it was afraid to come out into the light. And like I said, it was a hazy day and I'm not in a great shape because of the fall, but I can make the thing out a lot clearer now. And it looks like this massive. There's, there's something, something wrong with it. It's sick. It, it, it's it's. Yeah, you know, I, I remember once I read this this magazine article about this guy who had this condition. This poor man, they called the tree man, because he had all of these growths all over his body, and they're so thick and so dark that that it looked like he was made partially out of bark, like he was made partially out of out of this wood. And that's what this thing looked like. And I'm staring at this thing, frozen in terror. And then it screams. But it wasn't this low, animalistic roar like you might expect. It was high-pitched. It sounded, it sounded like a child being hurt, like a child being murdered. And I will never forget that scream. It is scarred into my memory. But that broke me out of my trance. As soon as that thing screamed, I got up and I started running in the town. When I started moving, I could feel how bad a shape I was in, but I had to push that out. I couldn't think about how hurt I was because then I wouldn't be able to move and this thing would get me. So I go running into town and I get into the downtown area and I start screaming like a maniac. I start screaming, help me, please. God, somebody help. There's something in the woods. I need help. Anyone, please! But just like everything else, it was abandoned. There were cars in the road, but they were covered in this layer of filth. Everything was decaying like it had been left for dead decades ago. But I run up to the buildings anyways, and I start pulling on the doors, and they're all locked. Some of them are, are barricaded shut. None of the buildings even had lights on. Except for one. One building down at the end of the road lit up like a beacon in the middle of the ocean. So I forget everything else and I go running straight towards it. 
And that's how I found this bowling alley. As soon as I got up to the door, I try the handle and it opens right up. I got inside and I started screaming for help again. Nobody answered, but I was expecting it this time, so it, it didn't hurt as much. I checked the lock behind me and it worked. And as soon as that lock slid shut, I felt this wave of relief. For the first time since I got off the freeway, something worked. Finally, the pendulum swung in the right direction. And that moment of relief allowed me to realize how bad a shape I was really in. My heart and my lungs burned. I can feel the cuts and bruises all over my body start to swell. I could tell that my ankle was severely injured. But mostly in those first moments, it was my legs that hurt. I'd never run like that before. And, and they felt so weak and heavy. They felt unstable, like they were made out of wet cement. And I knew that I needed to sit down. I see one of those hard plastic benches at the end of a lane, and I go to walk towards it. And as soon as I try and take that first step, I just collapse onto the ground. My legs did all that they could. They refused to work any longer. So I start crawling towards it, and I pull myself up onto that bench. And as soon as I put my head down, I passed out. Now, I can't tell you how long I was out for, but when I woke up, it was completely dark out. I probably would have slept through the whole night, but the thing from the woods was outside. It woke me up with one of its ear-piercing screams. I could hear that it was close, too. I could hear it shuffling around and grunting out there. I could hear the occasional click of its wooden club-like limbs against the cement, and I knew that it was searching for me. And to top it all off, I really had to pee. Now, I didn't want to get up and go to the bathroom, because what if I made a noise and alerted that thing to my presence? So I figured, you know, I'll just piss my pants. I mean, all things considered, it would be far from the worst thing I went through that day. But then I realized that I couldn't do that either. Because what if this thing was using scent to try and track me down? And what if that was enough to alert it to my presence? So I sat on that hard plastic bench body aching, frozen in terror, too scared to piss my own pants. Now fear has a way of slowing down time, of really stretching out a moment, and pain does as well, and together it's exponential. So I can't tell you how long I waited for that thing to leave, but it felt like an eternity. Eventually it did leave, though. I couldn't hear its grunting or shuffling anymore, and its screams became more of an echo. And when I was absolutely certain that it was gone, I waited for what felt like another eternity, just to be safe. And when I couldn't stand it any longer, I got up and I made my way into the bathroom. Now, I wish I could tell you what I was thinking in that moment, but to be honest, I, I don't believe that I was thinking at all. I don't think that I was ready to process the horror of the situation that I was in, that I'm still in. But when I finished, I hit the lever and the toilet flushed, and that told me that not only did this place have electricity, but it also had running water. 
So I made my way over to the sink and I turned on the faucet and out rushed cold, clear, clean water. And after I drank as much as I could, I, I looked around to see if there was anything else useful in this bathroom. And I found a mop handle that I used as a walking stick. And there was a first aid kit that I used to patch myself up with. I even made a makeshift splint for my ankle. I then made my way out to the main area of the bowling alley. I noticed that even though it was run down, like everything else in this town, structurally it was sound. The doors and windows were intact. There weren't any holes in the roof or in the walls. There was even vending machines that were fully stocked in the corner. I made my way into the office next and found a lot of other useful things as well. I found keys to the vending machines. I found that letter. I found this tape recorder that I'm talking to you on now. But most importantly, I found that this room had a locking door and a couch. So I took the keys and made my way back out into the main area, and I got myself a dinner that the eight-year-old me would have killed for. I took my chips and candy and pop. I went back into the office, locked the door, ate my dinner, and passed out on the couch. And that's how I spent my first night here. In Tape C. some really interesting points that have stuck with me. Uh, I, I think about them every so often. I mean, even before all of this, um, she, she defined insanity as a person's inability to accept the reality that they perceive. She said that in order for a person to go insane, that they don't need to have an entire alternate reality that, that they're subscribed to. They just need to have doubt in their own reality, that that doubt alone could be so damaging that it could break the foundation of, of their reality. Once that foundation was broken, everything else becomes weakened. Everything else it has the potential to, to, to be, I mean, I mean, think about it. If you're willing to question a, a core truth, a core belief, then, then suddenly anything can come into question. She said because of this that insanity was highly infectious and that oftentimes um, there would be a single question that caused that initial foundational break. That there would be a single question that, that or, or, or not even necessarily a question but a, a notion that a person couldn't reconcile with. Something that, that, that they couldn't come to grips with. She called these breaker questions. And it's not like there's some specific list of breaker questions. You know, there's not like some list out there of 30 things that you can ask that'll drive someone insane. Um, it, it, it's an individual, unique experience for everyone. It, it, it's just something that, that gets you to question your reality. And that once a person starts to doubt their own reality, everything else becomes easy to doubt too and and eventually it becomes easier to to doubt things than it does to believe things let's say let's say you believe something crazy let's say you believe that that 
that the world was flat. You know, there's there's countless bits of evidence that you have to disregard. And, and then not only that, but you also have to believe other crazy things, too. Like, you have to believe that there's some sort of a conspiracy going on, that there are people who are actively, consciously lying to you about it. And, 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 and you have to fabricate an agenda for why they would do this. And then you have to fabricate a, a power structure that exists, that, that, that creates this. And, and then and on and on and on. And, you, and, and then now suddenly you're comfortable believing all of these things and doubting all of these things. And, and You've created this environment that you can live in. And, 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 and now you're comfortable questioning things. So now suddenly everything else becomes suspect as well. Humans have evolved to, to, to conserve energy, to, to, to find the path of least resistance. You know, I, I mean, for, for the bulk of our, our species' existence, we had to hunt and gather, and, 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 you know, we couldn't just go down to the grocery store to get what we wanted. We couldn't just go to a mall to get whatever we wanted. We had to forage every day to try and find something, and because of that, our bodies became used to, to seeking out high fatty foods, uh, things with high calorie counts, because that was the most amount of energy you could collect with the least amount of effort. And 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 now our 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 society has evolved faster than our bodies have. Now you know now we live in a time where where you don't have to struggle for these things. So our bodies haven't caught up to that yet. And that's why things like um, obesity are, are problems that are on the rise because our, our programming tells us to, to seek out these types of, of foods for survival, but, but our, our, you know, our, our society doesn't require that any, anymore and it just hasn't caught up yet. And, 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 and it's not just physical you know, energy that, that, that this applies to. It's also mental energy. You know, it, it, it just just as much as you need the energy to, to go hunt down the deer, you need the energy to, to be able to problem solve and, and, and be able to be conscious aware consciously aware of, of your surroundings at all times to, to to assess what you know and, and, and you know we, we find these safe routines that we can we can apply to our everyday lives and those help us allowing us to to do certain actions and have certain behavior that we don't have to doubt and we don't have to question i mean that's that's why you know uh, any sort of organization works that, that that's that's why they were invented in the first place that's why you know governments and 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 social groups and and and, and religions and and all of these things were were created because they supply us with a mythos that we can follow that we could just say oh okay now i don't have to worry about what's right or wrong or what's good or bad because i i just follow what this doctrine tells me and and now and now you know and and, and it has helped enable our our survival because it, it it's guidelines that that usually work our programming to follow certain paths can malfunction it can cause us to start to do what's comfortable and easy without questioning whether or not that's that's right or helpful and 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 insanity you know, if, if you start questioning your reality and that feels right to you, you know, this, this idea of, 
of, of this here's this breaker question this notion that I can't get around so now I'm gonna start you know fabricating all of these different ideas about why why how how this thing can exist the way that it does and the world exists the way that it does and 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 now you start to, to think of alternate ways around it and you start to subscribe to those ideas because those ideas I'll allow this breaker question to exist and 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 now you start following that path and you start questioning everything this town wants me to question reality it wants me to question what i'm seeing and 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 what i'm experiencing but i'm not insane i know that i'm not insane this town is insane the fact that this town exists is insane but i'm not i'm not in some padded cell somewhere imagining all of this 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 town shouldn't be here the thing from the woods shouldn't exist the fact that this town exists at all is crazy i'm not crazy this is crazy look at this this place this is a lot somebody should be here making money Look at how much lakefront property there is here. Yeah, these buildings are a little rough, but foundationally, they seem to be strong. There's no poisonous gas leak or something in the area, or else it would have knocked me out a long time ago. I, I mean, there's this, you know, there's such, there should be somebody here in a shop down in the middle of the fucking town selling you t-shirts and say, go jump in a lake. You know, there should be, there should be people that, I mean, the, the, the fucking infrastructure's in place. There's power. There's water. There should be somebody in this fucking town trying to get you to come here and visit. But there's nobody here. It's just fucking me. I'm the Lord here. There's nobody here. Just me. Just me and that thing. I know that this town is trying to drive me insane, but I'm not insane. I know what insane is. I've seen insanity. My brother, my brother was insane. My brother was insane. I'm not insane. My brother, the whole fucking reason that I'm here. Maybe I, maybe I need to talk about him. Maybe I need to talk about him. My brother wasn't an evil person. But he just had something in his head, something that that, that wasn't wired right. And, and, and it, it filled him with this darkness. And, and, and he tried, he tried to fight it. And when we tried too, mom and I tried so hard he used to call me all the fucking time. He used to call me and, and talk to me, and he, and he had this—he had this sound in his voice, this manic tone. And I knew that whenever he called me, and, and I and, and and I picked it up, and, and I heard that sound, that that I was in for a long fucking night, because he would just sit there and he would talk and he would ramble, and I would try and talk him down, and I would try and 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 
and help him get out of this place that he was in. But I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the tools, you know. And we tried to, we tried to get him, you know, into, into different places and, and talk to different doctors and stuff, but nothing seemed to work. Nothing seemed to help. And then one day, one day he called me and I, and I was heading out and I let the answering machine get it and I, and I, I picked up and I, and I heard his voice and, and I, I heard that tone in his voice and I just let it go. I had a date and I, I didn't want to miss it. And it's not like it would have been the first one. I've missed countless dates and parties and and and, and it, it affected my schooling I, it, it it caused me to miss studying it caused me to fail some tests in the past but this just one fucking night I didn't want to do it just one fucking night I needed a night for me And that was the first time he killed someone. But am I, am I supposed to hang on to that guilt forever? Am I am I supposed to, to, to hate myself? Am, am I to blame for, for all of these people? He killed 19 people. That's fucking crazy. I mean, what if I did pick up? And what if I did talk to him? And, and, and what, if, what if it did stop him? Does that mean that the, the next time that, that he called me and I and, and I legitimately wasn't home or I didn't hear that, that he would have done it and, 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 and it just pushed it back a little bit further? Or, or, or I don't know. I, you know, you can't know these things. But am I supposed to carry that guilt forever? Is that why I'm here? Eventually he got caught. So there was a trial and... and, and and he was found guilty and he, and he was sent to jail. But my parents, my parents have a lot of money. And they have a lot of status. Paid to have it all covered up. To have it stay out of the papers. And my brother went to jail. And he killed himself. And the whole situation just made me so fucking mad. Just so fucking mad at everything, at everyone, at every single aspect of it. And I, I can't, I couldn't handle it. I didn't know what to do. How are you, what are you supposed to do in that situation? And I, 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 I decided that I was going to go 
and talk to the victims' families. I was going to find the families of every one of them. And I was going to tell them who I was. And I was going to tell them that I was sorry for what my brother did. And that I was just going to let them say whatever they wanted to say. And I wasn't there to try and convince them that he wasn't a bad person or, or, or to try and explain how he did what he did. I just, I just wanted to, to be there for the family because, because they needed somebody to hate. They needed somebody that they they could get all of these awful feelings out on it. And my parents covered it all up. And my brother was dead. So I was the only person who could do that. So I just went there and I let them hate me. And some of them didn't want to talk to me. But some of them had a lot to say. And so I went to family after family until finally I found one of them lived here. And now I'm trapped in this fucking town. deserve to have it either. They don't deserve to have that burden on them. So I wanted I wanted to be a safe place for them to put it. sin or the afterlife well if I'm wrong and that's what this is I've paid for my sin I've paid my twos I don't belong here I don't deserve to be here. I'm almost out of food. The vending machine's down to four items left in it. I 
I feel like the thing from the woods is, is going to find that I'm in here any day now. And if I'm not dead already, I, I think I'm probably going to be pretty soon. Tape B. I've started to develop a plan of attack for how I can get out of this place. I've come to the conclusion that no one's coming to rescue me. If I have any hopes of escape, then I need to make it on my own. So this entry isn't going to be a journal. It's going to be a list of the primary obstacles that I see to my escape and the plans that I've developed thus far to combat them. The first of which, obviously, is the thing from the woods. I've gathered enough evidence about its behavior that I feel that I can reasonably make some assumptions about it. Um, I hate uh, hanging my life on assumptions rather than facts, but I don't have another choice. Uh, so what do we know about this thing? Well, it only comes into town at night. It comes into town every night, but the earliest I've heard it in town was 17 minutes after sunset. And the latest was uh, 43 minutes before sunrise. It usually comes into this part of town, uh, but sometimes I can only hear it screaming off in the distance. If it has any sort of enhanced senses, its, it's sense of smell can't be that much stronger than that of a human's. Let's just say if a dog was trying to find me, it had been able to sniff me out a long time ago. And, but I still don't think that I have any chance of surviving a physical altercation with this thing. So if I hope to get out of this place in one piece, literally, um, I think my only option is to try and avoid it. Which brings us to the second obstacle, um, getting back to the freeway. As I've mentioned before, the town is surrounded on three sides by these hilly forests, with its remaining side being bordered by a giant lake. I've thought about trying to find a boat and crossing the lake, but the problem I have with that is the town map that I have barely stretches beyond the edge of the lake, and that makes everything outside of it an unknown quantity, which seems more dangerous to me. It's kind of a, you know, choose the devil that you know sort of situation. Um, and as you well know, the only road that leads out of town um, is not a viable option either. This really leaves my only avenue of escape as going through the woods on the path that I came in on. I remember that the first time I saw it was during the day in those very woods. So the best plan that I've come up with thus far is on whatever day that I'm ready to leave. On daybreak, I'll make my way to a building at the edge of the uh, near the edge of the town, and um, I'll wait in it until nightfall. Then, once I've heard the thing from the woods enter into the town, I'll make my way up the path. And assuming that I can get through the woods in one piece, I'll then begin the long trek back to the freeway. This plan comes with its own laundry list of issues, first of which is I don't um, know what building I'm going to hide out in. The key is it's got to be the right distance away. Um, I want to be as close to the edge of the woods as I can be to minimize as much night travel as possible, but I also have to be far enough away where the thing from the woods isn't going to see me go inside of it during the day. If it knows where I'm hiding out, I feel that I'm most likely in for a very short night. Um, but first I'm going to need to find a bicycle. The distance from the edge of the path to the freeway 
is too far to travel on foot in one night. And I'm not going to want to stop until I make it back to the freeway. As soon as I got off the freeway is when things started going bad. And I don't think I'm going to be free from this place until I get back to it. And I think that I need to do it in a single night. Once those things fall into place, then I'm going to make my exit. Before I go on, there's something I want to state here, though. Uh, I'm not crazy. Um, I know if anyone ever listened to these tapes, I'm sure that's what they think. Uh, hell, when I listen back to these tapes, I think I sound crazy. But uh, I'm not. I'm not crazy. Um, the third obstacle for me escaping is presumably the town itself. The town or, or, or some malicious entity in it is is trying to keep me here. Um, it actively works against me every time I try and leave. It's something that exists beyond the, the standard accepted belief uh, of what 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 is real uh, of what can be. And I'm not gonna speculate uh, on what it is. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and try and tell you that you know the town is haunted by ghosts or, or, or demons or some sort of ancient magic or, or, or aliens or a government conspiracy or, or, or anything because I don't know. And, uh, and I can't know. And if I sat here and I, and I tried to, to piece it all together and, and, and have it make sense, I think that that could drive me insane. That could be a breaker question. So I'm just taking a little bit of solace in the fact that, that I know that I can't know what it is, but I know that I do know that it is. And that whatever it is, it, it is trying to make me stay. Um, I have countless bits of, of anecdotal evidence that I could give you to, to, to try and prove my point, but um, for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to keep it to telling you about it, what happens every time I try and leave this place. Anytime I, I, I try and leave here, there's this palpable tension in the air. It's like uh, if, if you've ever entered a room where two people were arguing in it right before, and, and, and you can feel it in the air, you know, and it's not some mystic thing. You can, you can read it in their body language and their tones and their and their kind of gen, general disregard for social norms. But um, but that same feeling it happens every every time I, I try and leave. And it's not just a nerves thing, you know. Um, it never happens any time I try and do something. The few times I've left the bowling alley for something that would that would help me stay in town, it's been a completely different experience. There was no tension. There was no obstacles in my way. When I, when I ran out of food in the vending machine and I had to go look for some in the town and I stepped out the door and, and within minutes, I found the school and the school was unlocked and I walked right in and, and made my way towards the cafeteria. And inside the cafeteria, there was a ton of food. Um, there was freezers that were somehow still cold, even though there was no no power in, in this building. Um, I still have half a case of pizza sitting in the freezer here that I brought there. Um, 
But whenever I try and leave the town, it's a completely different experience. The first day that I was ready to leave, my plan at that point was just to make my way down the road that leads out of town. Obviously, this was before I knew. So daybreak came, and as soon as I stepped out the door, I felt a raindrop hit my head. The further away I got from the bowling alley, the harder the rain came down. Towards the edge of the town, it was coming down so hard that I decided to go inside one of the buildings and try and wait it out. So I, I go up to a door, and of course it's locked, but I bust open a window with my elbow, and I managed to cut my arm, but I wasn't going to let that stop me, so I could get inside, and I go through my pack to pull out the first aid kit, and surprise, surprise, the first aid kit isn't there. Now I know that I packed it. I double-checked everything twice before I left, but all the same, it wasn't in here. Again, I wasn't going to let this stop me, so I tear off part of my shirt and use that to bandage up my arm, and I wait around for the rain. I sat in that building for hours, but the rain never stopped. Eventually, it was late enough where I didn't think that I was going to be able to make it past the woods by night, and at that point, that was the only requirement that I had for this trip. So I left and started to head back towards the bowling alley. I figured I would just try again tomorrow. Wouldn't you know it, as soon as I start walking back towards the bowling alley, the rain starts to let up. And when I got back to the doors of it, the rain had practically stopped. That night, the thing from the woods was outside the bowling alley the entire night. I could hear it sniffing around and grunting. I could hear the click of its limbs. And of course, its occasional scream. And I thought that was it. I thought that I thought I was done for. I thought that it, it could smell the blood from my cut and that it was going to that it was going to come inside and then that was going to be it. But it never came inside the bowling alley. It, it as far as I'm aware, it's never tried to to enter the bowling alley. It's only ever been around outside of it. Finally, the morning came and the thing left. But needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. But when dawn broke, I decided that even if it was going to rain again, this next day I wasn't going to let that stop me. I decided that if, if the rain came, then I would let it, I would rather have it sweep me away into oblivion than, than to stay stuck in this town. So I step out the door again, uh, and it wasn't raining, but it must have been a byproduct of all the rain. Um, the fog in the town was so thick that I couldn't see more than two feet in front of me. And I got maybe about midway into the town when I heard something in the fog. Something And I didn't know, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it before, but hearing that noise gave me the sudden realization that if the thing was awake in the woods during the day, then, then maybe this fog would serve as adequate cover for it as well. And I, I got just absolutely terrified I, I i could i could feel the thing nearby and i just i started scanning around wildly hoping you know just trying to get a glimpse of it i just didn't want it to sneak up on me but it was pointless you know like i said i i couldn't see more than two feet in front of me and i really debated on heading back to the bowling alley and i sat there for a while before i decided that i was going to keep continuing on anyways so i slowly continued down the route and eventually I got to the last turn that I had to take before I got to the road. And when I turned it, instead of seeing the road that leads out of town, I saw the front of the bowling alley. 
Now I know that I was going the right way. Sure, I, I stopped for a moment in the middle and I and and maybe I looked around and, and you know, you probably think that I just got turned around while I was sitting there, but but I know I was heading the right direction. But it didn't matter where I was going. The town took me right back to the bowling alley anyways. Again, it was late enough where I didn't think I could make it past the woods by dark, so I go back inside. That night, the, the thing from the woods was back right outside the door again. Only this time, it was screaming all night long. All fucking night, the thing just sat out there screaming its awful scream. I, I, I started to go mad in there. I was convinced that this is just what life was now, this just constant state of, of torture. And uh, I swear if I, if I had a gun, I would have ended it all right there. Finally, the morning came and the thing left again. And, and after two nights of no sleep, I, I was beyond exhausted. But to be honest, it wouldn't have mattered if I had all the energy in the world. There was no way that I was going to try and leave again that day. I couldn't possibly bear another night like that again. So after the thing left, I just fell asleep and I slept the whole day away. And I eventually woke up well into the night. And the thing from the woods was nowhere to be found. I would hear it scream once hours later, somewhere way off in town. It took a long time before I built up enough courage to try and leave again. But eventually I did. And, and I had decided that if it rained like it did the first time, I was gonna let it wash me away. And if it was foggy like it was the second time, I was going to have my map out and I was going to make marks on my map as well as corresponding marks on the road itself. So that way there was no chance I could get turned around. But when I tried to leave the third time, I didn't face either of those obstacles. I just made my discovery about the road. Which is why I've developed this new plan. Now the point to me telling this story is not to talk about how hopeless it all is or, or, or complain about the horrors that I'm facing. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. I get some hope from these stories because maybe this entity that's keeping me here is, is Maybe it can do whatever it wants and, and, and it'll always find some way of, of making me stay, but I refuse to accept that. I refuse to believe that because if that's true, then what's the point? I'm not going to let this town just steal my life away. Yeah, what I get from these stories isn't how pointless it all is. It, it's how this town has tried to stop me and I have overcome its obstacles. You know, who, who knows? It'll probably find some way of, of stopping my, my escape through the woods, but then I'll figure out a way of getting around that obstacle.
I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I am going to get out of here. I am going. Tape F. All right, there's a lot to cover on this tape, so let's jump right into it. It has been starting off with the fact that I have officially checked the first thing off of my go home list. I found the building that I'm going to hide out in on the day that I'm ready to leave. I think it used to be a party store. Um, It doesn't matter what it used to be. It was cleared out by the time I got there. What matters is that it's near the edge of town, um, but just out of sight of the woods and structurally it's intact. I mean, it it had a, um, what looked like a bullet hole uh, in one of the front windows, but I just kind of pasted some like cardboard and um, flyers and whatever else I can find in the area over it. Um, It doesn't need to be um, weatherproof or anything. It just needs to, you know, block out scent in case. So with progress, as always, comes punishment. And that night, the thing from the woods was back and uh, angrier than it's ever been. Um, This time it, it started actually pounding on the walls and I sincerely thought that it was going to break it down. You know, and honestly, even if it wasn't going to to break down the walls, I was going to have a breakdown. Um, I I, I couldn't, I'd I'd reached my breaking point and and I, and I needed, I got desperate and I, I decided to try something. You know, this idea that I've been floating around for a while and, and it worked. Um, let me, let me explain. Um, I'm not letting this alter my plan for getting out of here, but I've come to the realization that, that this has to be purgatory. I feel that, that, that's the only thing that, that makes sense as much as anything makes sense here. I, and I haven't really started to deconstruct what all that means, you know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, if I'm in purgatory, that means and that this tape recorder doesn't actually exist and, and no one's ever going to hear this tape and, and, and a lot more that I have just kind of tucked in the back of my brain right now, because I just, I don't have, I, I, I just don't have the energy to go through it, you know? So I started going under the, the, the belief of, okay, if, if this is purgatory, what does that actually mean? What practical benefit does acknowledge, acknowledging that give me? You know, so I started to think like, okay, if I'm in purgatory, I'm on the cusp uh, of, of my eternal essence going to either a positive conclusion or, or a negative conclusion. And I need to tip the scales some way in, in, so that I make sure that I end up in a positive place, you know. But how can I do that in here? You know, how I, I'm alone. <laughs> I, I, I can't make amends for anything I've done with anyone. You know, I, I, I can't build a better future. I, I, I can't help someone else randomly. You know, I, I, I'm just here by myself. So, so really all that leaves is, is, is for me to be punished. What if I have to make some sort of act of penance? What if, what if by being in here, I, I have to try and, and, you know, acknowledge the things that I've done wrong and, 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 and relive that experience and, and, and try and, you know, apologize and, 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 
you know, uh, confess my, my wrongdoings, you know? So I started to think about all the wrong things that I've ever done in my life. And, and, you know, sure, there's, there's plenty of examples of, of times that I wish I was kinder or, or things that I would do differently, given another opportunity, but I really could only narrow it down to five things that I've done that I felt could realistically have affected me on a metaphysical level. Five things that I've done in my life that I feel bad enough about or that I think were wrong enough that 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 I I could see some sort of penance um being required for it. So when the thing was pounding on the wall, um I spoke one of these stories aloud. I acknowledged what I did wrong and I apologized for it and and I relived that that moment and um and as soon as I finished the story the thing calmed down and moments later it left and I cannot describe the relief I felt and now I had a weapon you know now I had a weapon that I can use against this thing and and as amazing as that was it now added another problem into the equation. I have five stories that I can tell and only four of them left. The next morning, just wanted to get out. I did to stay in instead because I I wanted to see if A, the thing was going to come into town at all and B, if it was going to be like a normal night or if it was going to be like a night where I've made some sort of progress to see the, the potency, I guess, of, of, of one of these confessions. That night, the thing from the woods did not make contact with the bowling alley. It did not stick around. It, it, it could have been any other night. So I now had to test the theory going the other way. The next morning, I, daybreak happens, and I immediately go out um, and start trying to find a bike. Um, I, an important thing to note is uh, on one of my earlier runs, I found a business map in the town, and it had all the you know local businesses listed on there. And one of the businesses was a hardware store. This hardware store was located at the end of a dead-end street, which is a terrible place to put a business, if you're curious. Um, and so I start heading down this... I turn down the street to, to head down to the to the to where this hardware store is supposed to be. And as soon as I get on the street, I can see at the end of the building, King's Hardware. Next to the bowling alley, it's the nicest-looking building in in this town. So I get really excited and I start running towards it. Which, like I don't know if it was an earthquake or or whatever, but there was this giant ravine now between King's Hardware and the next closest building. And um, not only was it this crack that goes across the road, it was a U-shaped crack that went around either side of the building as well, that disappeared deep into the woods that are located behind King's. So if I even wanted to try and walk around this crack, the only thing I could do. <laughs> is go into the woods and obviously that wasn't going to happen. You know, I started thinking, okay, f- fine. I, I, sh- I expected the town to put an ob- another obstacle in front of me. I didn't think it was going to be that easy anyways. Um, so I think, okay, I'll just build a bridge. You know, I'll find some, um, some ladders or, or anything in the town that I can stretch from one end to the other. And then I just cross it and enter Kings that way. Uh, that wasn't going to work. King side, there was maybe, maybe a foot of, of dirt lip kind of around the edge of the building, but it was loose and crumbly and there was no way I was going to risk my life on doing that. Like I could, you know, lay the, the, whatever bridge I make across, 
But the problem with that is that it's a two-story building. And, you know, maybe there's something I can use that would be strong enough and long enough. But I, I don't know what it is. You know, if I find something in town, great. But I, I'm going under the assumption that that's going to be a no-go. So the real only other way that I can think to try and get over there is, you know, if I, I walked up to the edge of the ravine to look down to see, you know, if it's like a sheer surface and, you know, maybe I can, there there's out juts of rock that I can place something on or, you know, anything. And nope, they slope inwards. The the It was not a sheer face. It was not a rocky, you know, edges. It was like two inward sloping um, you know, on either side, on that side, on the king side and on the flower shop side. Um, so that, that wasn't going to work either, you know, but I did see what I think to be a way in because down underneath Kings behind the slope. So I couldn't really see where it was coming from, but I could see an artificial light coming out from underneath there. Now that means that this earthquake or whatever, tore away maybe part of the foundation and I'm getting some light from the basement or maybe it exposed some sewer lines or something but there's something intact enough over there that's open that has a light source coming out of maybe I could see if this flower shop had a basement and if it did maybe I can stretch a bridge across the two basements you know or or a sewer line or something or whatever but but I could I can make a connection from here to there and like I said, the flower shop was was pretty pretty well destroyed. It looked like a bomb had been dropped on it. Practically, I mean, the roof was still partially there, and um, but like there were no doors left. All the the windows were broken. There was broken glass and everything. But there's one functional door, um, and I open it up, and it stares at me down in the basement. So I can prop the door open, and I start walking down the stairs. Um, I can't see the basement landing. Um, but I just, you know, walk down and I assume that I'll see it before too long. And, and then the door swings shut behind me. I'm now in pure darkness, but, uh, I really want to see if, if I can get into this basement. So I keep walking. I keep my hand on the wall and I, you know, walk, I don't know, another 10, 20 steps or so. And, and this is when I start to think that I really should be at the bottom now, you know, um, but I, I just keep going, and I walk for another probably about five minutes, just continuously walking down the stairs, and I never reach an end. I decide um, this is scary as hell, and um, I decide that it's probably best to reassess the situation. So I turn around, and I, I start heading up the stairs pretty quickly, um, and then... You know, have you ever had that feeling where you just feel like there's something behind you? Um, and it kind of just sends a chill up your spine. I think um, I remember my dad used to say he felt like someone was walking over his grave. And I just got spooked, I guess, for lack of a better term. And so I started running up the stairs. And um, I, I don't know how many steps I went down. If if you made me guess, I'd probably say 150, 200, somewhere in that range. But on the way back up, uh, I got at most 25 steps before I slammed into the door that was at the top of the stairs. And it flung open and I collapsed out onto the floor. I get out into the flower shop and I realize that it is nighttime somehow. And uh, the door swung open and hit the wall and, and made a really 
a rather loud banging noise, and I could hear the thing from the woods screaming. But not like it it's normal scream. This one sounded really angry. And it wasn't that far away. And like I said, this building was was just a shell of a building. Um, so I didn't really have any other place that I can go and hide out. So I go back into this fucking eternal darkness staircase. And I shut the door. And then I hear the thing come inside the flower shop. I, I, I can hear the wood creak beneath it. I can hear the broken glass crunching. And then I just feel one solid smash up against the door. It knew exactly where I was. If this door opened into the basement instead of out of, it, it would have smashed right through. And so I start saying my next confession. And it lets out a, a rage-filled scream this time. And it hits the door one more time. But this time, it wasn't trying to get in. It was just making sure that I knew how mad it was. And I was gone. I waited 30 minutes. I opened the door and ran back to the bowling alley. And I think I probably could have just had a leisurely stroll back if I wanted. Because I didn't hear the thing anywhere. And that was last night. Dawn happened about 30 minutes ago. And I really want to get into that fucking basement. So I'm going to go back out and I'm going to try again. But I want to try something before I leave. Weird things have been happening lately. Like, um, uh, just, I don't, it's hard to exp explain, but little, like this, this bowling alley, it just feels less and less safe. It's like, it's almost like there's gremlins or something in here. So I, I think... I think I need to get out of here. Uh, and I'll take a, a rest day if I have to, and if it feels safe, you know, maybe I'll take a second if if, if I need to. But I really, really want to get out of here. I want to try something different before I go back to try and solve the uh, the king's dilemma. I guess you can call it. Um, this may end up being a wasted bullet. I want to try and record one of my confessions. I feel like maybe if I put it to tape, it'll be more permanent and and then the banishment will be more permanent. You know? Um and maybe it won't work, who knows? But um but I, I, I think it, it might help. So I'm going to do an act of penance right now. And I'm gonna go with the biggest one. When my brother and I were kids, I witnessed the first time he killed someone. My brother and I were at our, our family summer home, and we were playing baseball with another local kid. Um, Sam Sullivan was his name. And, uh... Sam was, um... Sam Sam was an asshole. You know, he wasn't a bad person, but he, he was an asshole. You know, a lot of kids are that grow up with generational wealth, like uh, like my brother and I. They just think that they're better, so they think that they can treat people worse. And he, he was also a, a lot better 
of a ball player than I than I was. And when he or my brother were up, they would hit the ball all the time and hit it really far. And and I hadn't gotten a single hit all day. You know, I I was a really emotional kid, and um, and so you know, I was just getting more and more mad as the night went on, and and that was causing me to 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 do worse and worse. And my brother pulled me to the side, and he said "Blue," and that was his nickname for me, like a like a umpire, um, because he said I was always trying to butt into stuff. He told me that you need to try and calm down, that you're swinging angry, and that uh, that you won't be able to focus if you, if you do that. I told him that I didn't want to calm down. I just wanted to hit the ball so hard that it disappeared into the lake, that, and then we could stop playing this stupid game. He looked at me and he said, you want that? And I said, yeah. And, uh, he said, okay, well, if you want, I can do that. And I, I said, okay, yeah, I just wanted to go home at this point. I didn't care anymore. You know, because cause Sam, Sam was being really mean to me. He was, you know, he's asking if, if I wanted him to bring the tea out. And he was asking if there was a hole in the bat. And, he, you know, he was just, he was being a kid, you know. He was being an asshole of a kid, but he was just being a kid. And, um... And then so we switched positions, and, and Sam was catching still, and and I threw the first pitch, and my brother swung so hard that he spun around in his shoes, and the baseball bat connected right onto Sam's temple, and he killed him. And um, I remember there just being so much blood, you know, and it was coming out of his eye and coming out of a bruise on the side of his head and coming out of his nose and his mouth. There's just so much blood. And I got so scared, you know, I couldn't even process what was happening. I didn't know what was going on. I, my brain just, it, it wouldn't connect the pieces, you know. And, um, and I told my brother that we should just go drag him in the lake and just say that we didn't see him, you know? And I didn't know what I was suggesting. You know, I didn't really understand what was happening. And I should have never said that. And my brother said, no. He said, no, we have to go tell our parents. We have to go tell them right away, you know? And I tried to beg him to... To just take him into the lake. And he wouldn't. So we went. We went home and, and we went to find our parents to tell them. And, and, and uh, they weren't home. So we went over to his parents. And they were home and we told them. And I remember them running out of the house, and then I don't remember a lot after that. You know, but years later, my my parents would try and say that this is when it started, you know. 
that he got the they got he got the taste for it. And that's fucking wrong. It was an accident. It was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Tape E. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
uh, alarm sort of system. They would put heavy objects on in the you know wax and uh, put the candle itself kind of elevated above this tin plate. Um, and that way, when um, the candles burn down low enough, the heavy objects would fall and, and make a noise. Um, you know, and, and act as kind of like a you know, an alarm clock almost. Um, I burned one of the candles from start to finish. It seems like it's roughly an hour. You know, I mean, I, obviously I don't have any way of knowing for sure, but so I'm a little worried that uh, whatever I stick in falling down on a tin plate wouldn't be loud enough to really wake me up. You know, if I wanted to try and take a nap or something like that. Um, and, uh, but I was thinking about, you know, trying to build like some sort of Rube Goldberg machine to, um, have it where maybe something can fall and, and hit the tape recorder, you know, cause this thing gets really loud. Um, not, you know, I don't know. It's just a kind of stupid idea, but it, it's just a project that occupies my mind, I guess, if nothing else. I've just been taking this time for me. Um, but, you know, it's not all, like, just sitting about. I've made some progress, too. I've actually made huge, huge progress with the Gremlins. You know, I, like I said before, I, I started writing in a journal. Whenever something would happen with them. Yeah. And that wasn't, uh, that was working for a while, but... Is, is 
ironically what is keeping me sane. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying with that, but it's just interesting, I guess. Yeah. And I know that I, I should be going out. I know I should be trying to solve things or, 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 you know, trying to find a bike some, somewhere else, you know, um, but I, 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 I'm just not, I, I was worried that I wasn't ready yet physically, you know, like, um, like I said, I know that part of this break has been about the spiritual and the emotional aspect, um, as, as well. Um, but, but, um, but physically primarily, you know, I wasn't ready. Um, and, and I, I think I will be soon, you know, um, like I said, I'm not feeling any pain anymore. Um, but I think, I think soon. I'll be ready to go out. But I, I you know, I, I, I slept in today. You know, I got that, that couch, or, or once I fixed the bottom and, and got a little more support from the springs, um, it, it's actually probably more comfortable than my bed back home. You know, I... I if I ever got home, I, I don't even know if I'd be able to sleep on my bed anymore. You know, it's, but last night, the, the things in the woods, I just heard it once far away and, and, and I just managed to, to fall asleep at night and then I slept in, you know, and like it was, a, it, it was kind of nice. It was kind of a nice day. You know, and I know I need to go back out there. I know I got to try and find that bike and get out of here. But, you know, I, like I said before, <laughs> you know, you got to celebrate. And, and and today, today was a nice day. Despite everything, it was kind of nice. So I'm celebrating that. So I just re-listened to this tape, and I just need to say, fuck that guy. Fuck that coward. Fuck that weak, spineless piece of shit. I lied to you in this fucking tape. When I recorded this thing, my ankle was probably healed for at least a week at this point. But I was too goddamn scared to try and get out of this fucking place. That asshole on that tape that you just listened to stole months of my life from me. His cowardice is exactly what has kept me here so fucking long. It's that exact fucking line of thought that is keeping me here. Tomorrow morning, daybreak, I'm heading out of this fucking bowling alley and I'm going back to Kings and I'm going to stay there all goddamn day until I figure it out. This town may be the thief, but that fucking guy on the tape is the goddamn accomplice. 
fucking coward has done more damage to me, has stolen more of my life than I can ever forgive. So I'm stating this right now. I killed him. He's dead. He's never coming back. Nothing can, can bring him back. It's going to take an act of bravery to get me out of this place. But as soon as that sun comes up, I'm going to turn this shit around. I'm going to stop hiding. Gotta get out of here. I'm so tired of being in here. I'm so tired of being trapped inside, of being afraid. I don't care what the consequences are any longer. Because it can't be worse than this. It can't be worse than this. Tape D. Good news. I'm the proud owner of a brand new bike. So, one way or another, this is my last night here. I was able to get down these stairs in the flower shop by um, counting all of the stairs I could see. And then there were 18. And then before I started walking down them, I closed my eyes and I just counted every step that I took. One, two, three, four, until I got to 18. And then I took one more step and I opened my eyes and there I was. I wasn't on the stairs anymore, I was on the basement landing. And there was a door in front of me. And I opened the door and sure enough, it opened into this half-existent basement room. The other half must have fallen into the ravine. I brought my bridge with me and stretched out across into the basement of Kings and was able to cross the bridge, no problem. I mean, I just assumed I was going to die at the midway point, but I guess luck was in my favor that night. And once I got into Kings, it was a King's Ransom, if you will. Plenty of bikes. I even picked up a helmet and some biking gloves. Picked up a small hatchet and a new backpack. There was some food in there even. Some beef jerky. That I took. Got a brand new pair of socks while I was at it too. 
was a bit of a hassle getting the bike across the bridge, but I made it work. And then I even rode the bike back to the bowling alley. So, I made it. I'm going to do my penance tonight. But I'm sure the thing from the woods is going to come here. But I don't care. I don't care how much sleep I'm able to get tonight. Because I know tomorrow. Tomorrow I can leave. I've decided that when I walk out those doors tomorrow, I'm, I'm never, I'm never walking back through them. If I get out there and, and something happens with the plan and, and and something doesn't work, then I'll improvise and or I won't. But either way, I, I'm not coming back. The only thing left to decide is whether or not I'm going to the house. I didn't. You know, I, I was telling myself that I wasn't even going to bring up the house. That the house was forgotten, but... But the fact that I'm so scared of it... Makes me think it's all that more important that I go. I, I've decided. I've decided that I, I have something that I, I need to say.
horror and sci-fi um, because that's what my brother liked to watch, and we watched them together a lot. Um, so, you know, I kind of have a bit of a soft spot for that. Um, but in general, you know, I just watched whatever. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be the first thing that I that I do when I get back. You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to my 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 uh, movie store, and um, I'll probably have to renew my membership. I'm I'm sure they won't recognize me. You know, I'll probably come in and they'll call me Grizzly Adam. But, uh, yeah, and then I'll just go through, I'll go through the shelves and just rent every movie that's come out since, since I've been in here. And I'll watch them all. I'll just stay inside and watch them all. You know, it's funny, it's, it's, I used to not be able to wait until nightfall, which is ironic now. But I used to not be able to wait until night came on Tuesday nights. I might skip the horror movies. Although I did want to see that movie about the sexy car that had Brett in it. That came out a week after I left for this trip, so I didn't get a chance to see that before, you know, so I might, I might watch that one, I might watch that one first, yeah, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I miss movies. Um, what else? What else do I miss? Um, concerts. Oh, I love concerts. Um, just the feeling of them. You know, it's like, I, I've been to so many, and, um, I've been to some great ones, too, you know, and, but I, I probably, I probably couldn't tell you the set list of any of the, the concerts I've been to, but, but I could tell you how I felt leaving every single one of them. There's just something about it, you know, like this, you're there um, with other people, people you've never met before, people you probably have very little in common with in some cases, but you're there for the, you're there to see this band that, that, that you love, whose music means something to you, you know, and, and in that moment, in that moment, even though you're all different and you're all separate people with separate lives.
I miss driving down 127 and seeing the ocean, you know, which is still a little weird, but, um, yeah, I miss seeing that giant, mysterious blue thing filled with so much life and, and so much activity and, and, and so much going on. Tape I. Somebody please help! My leg gets hurt really bad and, and, uh, and, uh, and I think that should do it. <clears throat> yeah, I think that should do it. You're here now, aren't you? You're listening to this. Yeah, you are. Because you're really fucking stupid. And you fell for it. And besides, that's how this relationship works, isn't it? I sit here and I I pour all of my pain and misery out. And you just sit there and you lap it up, feeding off of it. God, I wish I could let the world know how fucking stupid you were. I wish I could just pick up a phone and, and dial everyone at once and, and let them know that you fell for it. Oh, well. I guess it'll just have to be another secret between you and me. I really debated on, on doing this part of the tape. I thought the more poetic ending would be me to just scream in agony until it runs out. And this is the end. You know, they say all good things must come to an end. They leave out that all bad things have to as well. Because everything has an end. Even you. I take a little bit of solace in knowing that. Before it's over, I, um, I have one last story that, that I want to tell you. somehow sever him from his past. Sorry, I don't know how this story ends. <clears throat> but, uh, I think you get the point all the same. One last thing that I want to add. I fucking hate you. I 
I hate what you are. I hate what you represent. I hate everything about you. And no matter what else happens to me in my entire life, I am so happy to be done with you. So that's it. The end. Tape K. Hey Jack, it's mom. I need you to know how sorry I am for all of this and how much I love you. Words are too limited to explain something so all-encompassing as my love for you more than I've needed anything else. I need you to know that. I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, but only one that is unforgivable. These goddamn tapes. I should have never tried to convince you they were fake. I thought at the time that it would heal our family. I knew your sister and your father were never going to believe they were real, and I knew that we would probably never find the answers we were looking for. So I decided to do the one thing I never did before. I lied to you. I knew you wouldn't believe me at first, but I hoped eventually you would choose to believe me. I want you to know that I didn't do this to try and sweep everything under the rug. I did it because I think the trapped man is wrong. In tape F, he starts talking about the place being purgatory, but then says that the only thing he could do to make amends for his sins is to suffer. Which made me realize something. What if this town isn't some mythical place that acts as an adjudicator? What if it's a predator that is feeding off of people? What if it's a black hole? Black holes are essentially formed when a star's mass becomes so great it collapses in on itself, becoming infinitely dense. It is so dense that anything that comes within a certain proximity of it is unavoidably pulled into it and assimilated. I believe the town is a black hole of suffering. I believe that this town has experienced so much pain and misery throughout its history that it now tries to pull in any poor soul unfortunate enough to come near it. I believe that at some point we were near this town and you felt a great deal of sorrow, and that acted like blood in the water. This town tasted your sorrow, and these tapes are being sent to you, because just like the trapped man, 
The town is feeding off of your suffering. This has been my working theory since we received tape F, a theory which was all but confirmed two nights ago. That is when I made my unforgivable mistake. You see, it, it wasn't just you I was trying to convince when I said these tapes were fake. I was desperately trying to believe it myself. Since the day I told you I sent the tapes, I have been trying to force that idea into a reality within my own mind. I have been trying to force the thought of the tapes completely out of my head. I believe that my plan was working, too. I believe this is why the next two tapes you received were essentially nothing. You see, this town's only way of making you suffer was through the tapes, and if you didn't care about the tapes anymore, I hoped it would redirect its attention to an easier prey. The problem was... I just couldn't stay away. Two nights ago, I gave into temptation and opened up my files. I don't know exactly why I did it. Maybe selfishly, I was hoping I could try and solve the mystery and therefore be able to get my family back. I thought if I could prove it was real, maybe your sister and your father would forgive me. It's stupid, I know. But you know the old saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. The next morning, your father called me irate. He said that in spite of everything, he still never thought I would sink this low. He told me you got a new tape, and that it was particularly cruel. Needless to say, this horrified me. If the town was now coming after you this aggressively, it must have known it was close to getting you. It must have known you would have brought the new tape back to me, and that clearly I wouldn't be able to resist. It knew that with our combined obsession, it would be able to pull us into its event horizon. I honestly believe that if I had left those files shut, hell, if I had burned them years ago... It would have given up on us, on you. But by opening them back up again, I proved to the town that I would never be strong enough to resist, and that through me, it could always get to you. That's when I knew I had to do something. Last night, I came to the house, and as I suspected, there was a brand new tape sitting on your front porch, just waiting for you to come and get it. I took the tape home and listened to it, and in it the trapped man states all of the information we had been searching for, plain as day, including the name of the town he was trapped in. I looked into the town this morning, and that confirmed my biggest fears. The town's history is long, tragic, and drenched in the sorrow of so, so many. The town is also five miles away from the gas station we were at when I got the call from your sister about Phillips. Clearly, this town wants you to come to it, which is why I have decided to go instead. I hope that by me going there, I keep it away from you. Who knows? Maybe while I'm in it, I can find a way to destroy it. I don't know if it's going to work. This could all backfire horribly, but honestly, I don't feel like I have another option. I've lost 
everything I've ever loved, and if this thing does feed on misery, then I have enough to keep it satiated for many years to come. This has brought me to another crossroads of sorts. Now that I know all of this, do I tell you? This is a decision I'm still struggling with in this very moment. I am recording this tape, but I don't know if I'm ever going to give it to you. Part of me thinks that when you ignored them the first time, they went away. So maybe I just let you continue to believe that they were all fake. But another part of me realizes that the one time I lied to you is the exact moment our family fell apart. More than that, I think that if I let this lie continue to live, you will continue to be haunted by these tapes for the rest of your life. That if I don't tell you the truth and allow you to choose not to come after me, then you'll always have doubt about these tapes, and therefore, the tapes will always have some power over you. You may hide them away somewhere. You may even forget about them for a few years. But I'm afraid that if I don't tell you the truth, you'll never be able to let them go. If I do give you this tape, I need to ask something of you. Something I know is nearly impossible. But I need you to do it anyways. I know you, Jack, and I know your heart. I know the thought of me in that town will tear you apart, but I need you to promise me that you will not come after me. I hope that one day you too will start a family. If and when you do, you'll understand. The greatest thing a parent can ever do is take care of their family. This is my way of doing that now. This is my way of taking care of you. I know I fucked up real bad. Mom? Hey, baby. What are you doing here? Does Dad know you're here? I love you. I'm sorry. Please take care of the family for me. Tape G.
Tape H.